With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. for listening to America's favorite sports music program, Fanatic Radio, on our special limited edition time slot here on Sunday afternoon, happy hour time. I'm Michael Gardner. Flo, spring break is coming up this week. Got any crazy wild plans in store? I'll run horns. Go, 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 go. Yeah, I've got nothing. I'm just going to hang out, chill, you know, keep it real. All right, that's it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a crazy week, though. But we have a good show for you on hand. Go to Facebook.com slash Fanatic Radio to like the page. Listen to the podcast because we have a couple of stream uh, sequences of good guests. We have Josh Dorfman from the American University hockey team, recent champions in their conference on the show. We'll promote the Lorax with a special caller and head co- assistant head coach to the AU Women's basketball team, Josh Hutchinson, joins us for our weekly conversation. But we'll begin today with the NBA All-Star Game and the NBA week that followed in suit. Did you catch the end of the uh, Boston-New York game today? Uh, unfortunately, I did not. I was watching uh, predominantly college hoops today. so That I is true. It. We'll get to college hoops in a minute because we are going to go on a rant about that nonetheless. Did you see that uh, Rajon Rondo had 18... 17 and 20 assists in the Boston win over the Knicks. Uh, I heard that actually with a kid I was uh, talking with last night. Um, as we say hello to a friend of ours. Uh, I was uh, talking about uh, the kid was hating on a uh, uh, Darren Williams, and I said he's the third best point guard in the league. And I had a Rondo, and he just tweeted at me like, "Oh, so Rondo is the fourth best point guard in the league behind Darren Williams." So I really got nothing after that now here and what Rondo did today. It was apparently absurd. It's ridiculous. And Lakers Heat are currently going on right now. But some interesting background behind that in the All-Star game. What were your initial impressions of it? I know it's been a week. Cause almost, yeah, almost a week. Actually, a week from today. What were your thoughts on how that whole whole scenario and weekend in Orlando went? Well, I mean, with the All-Star game itself, you know what you're getting every week. You're going to get no defense. You're going to get, like, Dwight Howard and big men trying to shoot threes and bricking them miserably. True, true. And you're going to get a whole lot of offense. And, I mean, I mean, it's, it's fun. And it's, it's exciting. It'd be something I'd like to go to. But, you know, I didn't really tune in because basically it was just like, you know, what what am I really watching? It's just not an actual game itself, you know? It's just become like an entertaining show. And you can say that pretty much for the whole weekend. I mean, the uh, uh, I was really disappointed with the slam dunk concert. I mean, yeah, it was kind of True, exciting. yeah, that's definitely something I want to ask you. Um, yeah. You put on your blog, beeflow360.com, that Kevin Durant and many others spoke out about how the stars definitely need to return to the dunk contest. I feel like that's something that's been going on for years now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just like, you know, you saw back in the day, you had, we all, or, well, obviously, I don't remember, but people that are like Dominique Wilkins, and Jordan, MJ, you know, and, Dr. And, J was in it too. Yeah. Dr. J, they started that in the ABA because of Dr. J. So that was back in the day, you know, and, uh, yeah, back in the day, the dunk contest had the stars. Now nobody really wants to do it anymore. So you got to find a way to get them back in. It's very depressing. I mean, hopefully we can fix that. Did you mention, yeah, Kevin Love won the three-point contest? Uh, yeah. I have to say, is he the tallest person to ever win it? 
Has uh, Dirk Nowitzki ever won it? I don't think he... May, he might have. I don't think he's ever entered it, though. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, probably. It would have surprised me, because he's, what, 6'10"? Yeah. Well, I know Peja's won it a bunch of times, and he's 6'9". So, and yeah, I don't I don't think that Dirk has ever entered it. So, yeah, that would make sense. Uh, yeah. There you go. But uh, back to the All-Star thing, how it... We full circle it back to today's game between the Lakers and Heat. Apparently, Dwayne Wade hit Kobe Bryant in the nose. Yeah. And rumors were there was some big vendetta of how the Lakers are going to respond. Yeah. How Kobe Bryant's now the masked Mamba. I think he's averaged, you know, 30, 33 points mm. ever since he got his mask. And apparently he got a concussion as well. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because at first I was going to say, is Kobe going to miss a step? Now it's just like, well, is this sort of a blessing in disguise that this happened? Yeah, I think what uh, really happened this season that the Lakers have obviously disappointed. And uh, I think definitely uh, when Kobe, I think Kobe in that game realized, oh, maybe I'm not the greatest in the league anymore. So you definitely maybe see that. Uh, maybe people are seeing as, oh, like, more, or like people are seeing him as mortal now. So that he's got that motivation to go off, which he has of late. And he said uh, uh, somewhere, I saw on the internet, that he's never really considered himself having a rival. And when you think about it, he never really has. So maybe now he's realized, oh, I've got a rival in... Dwayne Wade and this Heat team. So now he's got the motivation. Right. He's got the mask on, which looks kind of scary <laughs> and kind of cool at the same time. Oh, he's a frightening person to even, like, to look at in the first place. When I mean, he does this whole Wolverine-esque growl or whatever, the face yeah. and all that. And now he has this mask and he's still going out and doing Kobe being Kobe. It's it's fun to watch. Mm, absolutely. At least I'll say it. But now um, we'll switch gears. Go from the pro uh, ranks to college basketball, where it is a dark day on the campus of American University. As Patriot League Player of the Year, C.J. McCollum dropped 27 points, 10 mm-hmm. boards on 10 of 16 shooting to eliminate the Eagles from any hopes of going to the NCAA tournament. What was the score, like 84 to it was uh, 56, something like that? Something like that. We Unbelievable. You're, did you get a chance to watch the game? Uh, I watched uh, the first half. And a little bit of the second half, and when it really got out of hand, what killed us was that the second half, at the very end of the first half, Lehigh went in very late, like what, eight oh six oh run? Yeah, they ended the half on an eight oh run. Yeah, and, and we, then they opened the taps on the second half, going mm. twenty two for our eight. We did not score, you know, double figures in the second half until literally like eight minutes left in yeah, the second half. It was. We got run. It's, it's embarrassing that we got run out of the gym. Yeah, because the fir- most of the first half we were neck and neck. It was like you know, That's right, one possession yeah. game. We were definitely in it. And uh, for all the folks watching yesterday on uh, CBS Sports Network, but I mean, you know, the limited view. Yeah, the the very limited view. Uh, <laughs> uh, with the people that get CBS Sports Network, which we actually do get on campus. Apparently, the tavern did not get it. Yeah, did you hear about that? Yeah. It's- yeah, I was, I was yeah I was in about that. I was working lacrosse that day that after that afternoon and it was at one so we could have basically caught the last a uh, couple of minutes of the second half and we turn it on and I think it's AU goes four straight possessions without a basket mm. and Lehigh hits four threes in a row it's 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 I'm very excited though for the Patriot League final oh Bucknell Lehigh rematch. Absolutely. At Buck but the way C.J. McCollum's been playing right now. Yeah. Especially because, you know, they had that awesome game, Lehigh and Bucknell, at Bucknell with C.J. McCollum winning it at the horn. Right. And, you know, you just hope you get something like that. You get the two best players in conference, in my opinion. You got, the, let's be honest, the two best teams in conference, So, which wasn't the case last year. So it's gonna it's gonna be one heck of a ball game on a Wednesday night now, not the usual uh, Friday <laughs> happy hour time slot on ESPN. Okay, that, so you've been following you've been following a lot of the mid majors mm. conferences, uh, championships, and all that, especially this weekend. What are some of the what is it, what's the one team that's been really surprising for you and very impressive for you? With I think it was what three teams have now punched tickets. E four. Four punch tickets. Uh, Creighton, which was going anyways, they won. Right. They actually just won about like an hour ago in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference, uh, which was on CBS. And the other teams that have locked in, I have it right here, are Belmont, 
for the second year in a row, they won the Atlantic, Atlantic Sun their last year in the Atlantic Sun. Murray State, which is another team that was a lock to get in. They won their uh, Ohio Valley. And the first team to get in was also for the second year in a row, UNC Asheville that won the Big South. And uh, UNC Asheville, uh, a lot of folks have had them probably as the first four team, but if you get some surprises, maybe they get a 16-15 team. Don't, uh, a, a number one team should not sleep on this team. they got really good guards that can score. I'm not saying that they're going to win, and they probably won't, but they're, they're, it's not a team to sleep on. UNC Asheville. Yeah. They're a very fast-paced team. I like hmm. them because, I mean, I feel like they will get to be in the first four, and they'll get a 16 seed, and yeah. everyone will immediately pick against them. But they're definitely, the way they've beaten everyone in their conference. Yeah. And another team to look at is uh, also, like I mentioned, Belmont. Belmont's a very good team. They always yes. beat Duke earlier yes. in the year. In fact, whenever they play Duke, they, it's always a really close game. Like, they they were 15 a few years ago, and they only lost to Duke by one. So, this Belmont team, they can score as well. So, if they get – they will they could be like a – actually, I don't know what they'd be. Maybe probably like a higher seed. 13, uh, 12. Yeah. Or, no, not even or like 14, 15-ish. Yeah. But, you know, they could score. You know, it's not crazy to see them they, fall off an upset because the, a lot of these teams can play. Yeah, I've got it right here. They could so. they could catch a good team on their heels. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll end it. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned Duke. Though we'll end it, uh, our college basketball stuff on that. Last night, you know, I feel like everyone had a prediction that Duke was going to lose. Are you mm. surprised by that much against North Carolina? Uh, honestly, I'm really not because this is the North Carolina we thought we were going to see when a lot of folks had them as the national championship co- championship team going into the year, and they've been very inconsistent all year. They have the losses to. Uh, UNLV and uh, who else did they lose to early in the year? Florida State. Florida State, which both turned out to be. I think their losses are good. not bad losses. Yeah, like UNLV they lost to Kentucky really close too. They, they, but this team is they they're putting it all together. They're peaking at the right time. You got Kendall Marshall's been playing great. You got um, Zeller Barnes has been awesome. He's a star. He's a star. He's a stud. Yeah, he's, only, he's my age too. Yeah, I can't believe that. And the thing with Duke <laughs> is that. They have good big men, but they never utilize them. They have the plummies, and the plummies are fine big men, but they never utilize them. And they always are way too – this year they've been way too reliant on the three. And even yesterday, they, it was too big of a deficit. To, so I really uh, – I remember I was talking with uh, somebody yesterday. I would not be banking on Duke even getting to the round of 16, even if they are – a two or somehow a one if they win the ACC tournament, which I'm not betting on. But well, I feel like they won't. I feel like yeah, they'll get. I I, I've been saying all year. I feel like they'll get upset first or second round. Yeah, they get make it Sweet 16. I'm fine because I feel like they're not organized or whatnot. I feel like they don't have conventional offense. Absolutely. They don't utilize the Plumleys. And board. if they play somebody like Belmont in the first round, I'm gonna be very tempted to pick Belmont. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, this Belmont's a good team, and I said it last year, and they lost in the first round. But I told people this is a good club. All right, so when we come back, though, we'll talk to Josh Dorfman of AU Hockey. We'll get uh, Josh Hutchinson on the show with us. And actually, Flo and I have a very interesting what would you call it dossier we'd like to submit to the Patriot League. Uh, yes, yes. In terms uh, of our agreement, a proposal. A proposal. Yes, but once again, listen to Fanatic Radio WVAU. We will be back shortly. Take a quick music break. More sports is on your way. On WVAU.
We'll go back to Fanatic Radio here on WVAU.org. Call lines are open 202-885-8700. Go to Facebook.com slash Fanatic Radio. If you like the page, listen to podcasts and other off-the-air content that we that Ben Florence and I dish to the table. We have a very special guest in the studio, however, from the AU club hockey team, Josh Dorfman. Welcome to the show. How are you, my man? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Glad to be with you. Uh, glad for you to join us. So I know it's been a while. We've had you wanted to have you on the show, but you guys actually won your conference championship. Yes, we did. It was a thrilling victory over Wesley College. So who are the teams that you guys play? Are they other D1 schools or other club? I mean, other club teams or? We're part of the Mason-Dixon League of the ACHA, which is comprised of club teams in the area. We've played Maryland, Johns Hopkins, Wesley College, Dickinson College, uh, George Mason. Schools of that nature. What's the best team you guys have played so far? The team that gave us the most trouble was probably Maryland. They're a really good disciplined Maryland. team. Our arch nemesis. But again, so we can talk about the uh, the road to you guys' championship. So it's how many games do you guys play in a regular season? Do you have a little playoff afterwards? The Mason-Dixon League regular season consists of 10 games, and we also have out-of-conference games into that as well. So we probably play a total of 15 before the playoffs start. Uh, the top six teams out of the Mason-Dixon League make the playoffs. We were fortunate enough to have a first-round bye, so we only had to win two games to make the championship, to win the championship. So, um, I know apparently your semifinal game was, was more challenging than your finals. That's very true. We played uh, a Penn State club team, and they gave us a run for their money, for, for run for our money. Penn, Penn State? Yes. The actual Penn State. Mm-hmm. How, uh, talk about that game. How was it? And you guys won. Well, the first period ended one to one. They were skating with us very strongly, but our conditioning in the second and third period proved to be the deciding factor. As we uh, had a three nothing run from there on out, we outskated them, outworked them, and were able to emerge on top. And then the finals, obviously, and we can talk about the whole atmosphere and everything about the game itself, and then actually calling yourself champions at the end. Well, it was a great feeling. I'm a freshman, so I haven't been around for for very long, but the team has gone through some rough patches in recent years, so it was great for us to pull out on top. I don't think anybody expected it at the beginning of the year, so we sort of had the underdog feeling going in, into it, and it was a great experience. So what position do you play? I'm the defenseman. Would you... Oh, so you obviously played a crucial part in the championship win. Keeping... What was the final score, like 4-1? to one? Yes, it was 4-1. Four four to one. One. Who is your... Who's the captain of your team? Our captain is junior defenseman David Bren from Chaska, Minnesota. Really? Okay, so you said you mentioned that the club had some rough patches. Is this sort of a silver lining that you guys can see moving forward? It's you being a freshman, sort of take over the new era of AU hockey? Yes, we're really looking forward to improving in the coming years. The team was just started in 2006, so the public is not really aware of the fact that we have a team. And I feel as though at a school with 6,000 undergrads, right. there are probably plenty of very talented hockey players that we have yet to have on the team. So we're hoping that with this success, we can reach out to them and bring them in. So what are your plans for the future now? Well, (laughs) we're the draft. (laughs) (laughs) I was draft eligible last year. Unfortunately, nothing developed out of that. But maybe if I can put up another big season. Is there, for the club itself, is there anything bigger that you guys want to sort of, your ultimate goal is or is winning the Mason-Dixon Championship sort of it, and now it's just a matter of finding something new. That was uh, that was what we've been working for, looking, working for for several years. Now we're hoping to win another championship next year and consider moving up to maybe a more competitive league if we right. continue to improve. But uh, where's the, do you guys do the thing where you each guy takes the trophy home? We do. We have. Uh, <laughs> have you had the trophy yet? I have not had it yet, but I'm <laughs> looking forward to my day. What are you planning on doing with it? Taking uh, it to Disneyland, like, like the Stanley Cup. <laughs> I think I'll probably get together with a bunch of my closest friends and have a day with them and let them all <laughs> enjoy it, too. That's How big is it? I saw pictures of it on Facebook. It's much larger than I expected. It, it weighs about 10 to 15 pounds. No kidding. So it's very sizable. But um, one last thing before you leave is that you got uh, Matt Swansky. Yes. Is he as good as people say he is? Well, I don't know what people say, but I would say that Shalanti is a very talented defenseman coming from Cleveland, I believe. There's yeah. some good hockey in that portion of Ohio. He's a huge advocate for that team. Is he? Yeah, <laughs> he definitely promotes it well. I mean, you guys, like I said, the club team's here. 
I mean, I can speak for that as well, being coach of the club basketball team, which we will get to in a minute, Flo. But, yeah, it's it's really tough. How do you guys, what's the, what the most interesting fundraising that you guys have done? Well, as a matter of fact, we're currently in our magazine sale. Uh, it's going on right now. So you can find AU Club Ice Hockey on Facebook. Uh, you can be involved in that. We do other things at restaurants, like such as Potomac Pizza, Rotisserie Chicken, or Chicken Out Rotisserie, I think it's called. We'll be doing... Uh, things of that nature, so you can go just have your normal meal and support the team. We're also having a donation campaign where we're going to be writing letters and sending them out right. to various businesses. Well, I'd love to join you guys out on the ice. I am a avid skater. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> being from Dallas. I think I've been on I've been on an ice rink three times in my life. Numerous falls, more than more than laps around, but <laughs> I'd definitely love to come out and watch you guys next year. When's your, your season starts next year? Yes, we'll probably play our first game in mid-October. All right, looking forward to it. Josh Dorbin from the AU Club hockey team, recent Mason-Dixon Conference champions. Thanks for joining us here on Fanatic Radio. Thanks so much, Mike. And so now, Ben, as we welcome you back. Yes, sir. The reason why... You mentioned that you sort of laughed at the fact that I was dressed up today. Well, I didn't really laugh. I mean, usually when you think you're <laughs> on the radio, because you don't really get seen that, um, the famous line always was, or not really famous, but Tim Bredos joked that he used to do his radio show in a robe. Obviously, he was joking. Oh, but, I was say, because I've seen his show a couple of times. Yeah, because now it's streamed online. But yes, you are wearing a suit today. I wonder why. All right. Uh, we have been in an exception for this for about three months, but a good friend of mine, Dave Bustin, he brought the idea of starting a club basketball team here at American University, and so I thought, yeah, I mean, if if it's there's a lot of talented players, a lot of talented guys at the school, being a DC sort of not the melting pot of of nations, but the melting pot of basically the Baltimore, Virginia area the DC Metroplex and so I was like sure and thinking to myself well I only want to play club because you know knowing about it it's, it's the next it's not intramurals but it's not D1 it's not varsity sports so I thought well I don't want to play because I feel like it's just one one extra guy to worry about and I don't want to take someone's spot that's worthy so I decided hey why don't I why don't I coach Coach why Gardner why don't I give it a shot I've coached the boys and girls club team before I've led them to a city championship hey there you go a couple of years back so I thought maybe I could try work my magic with these guys and had some players quit recently brought some players in and we finally had our first official game today against GW Boom. very exciting we did the old uh, glory road or Hoosiers didn't have a bus so we took the metro and yeah. We ended up having our first game. We won 61-56. Yeah, there you go. Although we blew a 20-point lead at halftime. Nice. We were able to sort of bring these guys together and have a full, legit operation. So I'm very cool. excited for that. Please tell me you're running the Princeton offense. Triple drive motion. Whoa! I don't think go. I don't think our team is ready for Princeton. Oh, uh, yeah. Just to speak on a whole, on a, on a light note. <laughs> but, yeah, we're trying to get everything... Organized. Apparently, Maryland's having a tournament in the future. Ah. So I'm very much looking forward to that. There you go. But uh, once again, thanks to Josh Dorfman for being on the show. When we come back, we'll have Josh Hutchinson, assistant head coach of the AU women's basketball team, talk to us about the recent success and how they play in the semifinals tomorrow. Yeah. But Ben Florence, Michael Gardner, you're listening to Fanatic Radio here on WVAU.
And we're back here on Fanatic Radio to get to our key marquee interview of the episode. We had recently Josh Hutchinson, assistant head coach of the A women's basketball team, who is currently now 15-0 in conference play with a close win against Lafayette on Thursday night. They will face Holy Cross in the semifinals tomorrow at 7. Catch the game live at Bender Arena. But here's what we sat down for our weekly conversation with the notorious Hutch. We start. Anyway, uh, Coach Hutchinson, thank you for joining me to do this. How's your, how's your week been going so far? It's crazy that the tournament's finally starting. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, good week. Um, good to be in a Patriot League tournament. Um, you know, it, it comes so quickly, the Patriot League tournament. It just feels like yesterday that we started our season, um, you know, and just few minutes ago that we started our conference season so it's great to be in our third season and our um, tournament season and you know this is where it really matters you know teams are remembered for what or how they end their season not necessarily how they begin it or what they do in the middle but how they end um, yeah so we're excited for the opportunity so how surprised are you guys as a coaching staff that you went undefeated in conference play you know we really didn't talk about that too much um, as a staff we really talked about the next game, we talked about what we needed to do to improve from the previous game. Um, I, I mean, I hate to use the coach speak, but we really took it one game at a time. Um, you know, the teams in our conference um, provide unique challenges in their makeups. Um, you know, so on many occasions, our preparation was very different. Um, and in some ways, it was similar, but with each team, it was really a singular focus on what do we need to do to prepare for that team. Um, you know, and at the end, Howard, with his wonderful um, write-up, started to talk about all this history stuff, but we did a good job of kind of keeping it um, on the back burner, not really focusing on that, but rather focusing on that one game. What do we need to do to get better? How do we need to, um, how do we need to play to be successful? Right, well, so, winning, winning records aside, how good does it feel – especially for you as a coaching staff, and I guess you can speak with the rest of the players, to have the tournament at home. Essentially, you guys could play every single game in the arena. Oh, it's great. Um, it's great to be able to play in front of our crowd, uh, get the Blue Crew guys and girls out here to, to see them. Um, you know, yesterday had a couple with their chest painted. That was pretty cool. Um, the big Matt Corkery head, good-looking head coach. It's a, it's a great prop. Um, you know, that that's awesome. Um, I know on a personal note, you know, my wife is pregnant. Due date was February 29th. So to be home for the tournament, personally, is really, really awesome. Um, you know, following our victory at Navy um, that secured the one seed, you know, in the post game, one of the players was like, got it for baby Nico. So, so that's really, really cool um, and just kind of takes um, a potential distraction, having to be on the road and worrying about that and – really not even, it's not even an issue now. So personally, it's neat. But, you know, our girls really enjoy playing um, in front of their crowd. Um, they enjoy having this atmosphere, um, you know, family, friends, uh, students, all of that coming out to the games um, it is really, really cool. Um, and to win it, continue to do what we need to do, and to win it here would be, would be a really cool um, thing to do. So we'll see. One game at a time, right? Yeah, of course. But how does it feel to know that you're going to be a dad in a few days? Oh, it's awesome. It's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I say stupid things already <laughs> about it, so we won't get into that. But, uh, yeah, it's neat. And, you know, as a father, I think probably one of the things that I'm most excited about is the chance for my son to grow, grow up around the people here at American. The team, the other coaches, um, you know, the people around this um, – athletic department, um, just a lot of quality people. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's probably the thing that I'm most excited about is um, the people that my son is going to get a chance to, to interact with from, you know, really birth through, you know, however long that, uh, that I get the opportunity to be here at American, which hopefully is a, is a really long time. It seems so. like a common theme with you guys. It's first you have your son, and then you have the whole – you're adopting – after the foundation work that you guys mm -hmm. have done, and their team in, in general is just sort of a core collect group. How does it differ from the previous teams here at American? You know, that's a that's a good question. Unfortunately, I don't have a really long history here. Um, 
you know, this being my second year. Um, but I do think that the the other teams in the past have laid a foundation for the success that this team has. Um, the teams in the past, you know, as Coach Corkery was an assistant um, when Coach McFerrin was here as a head coach, and then when he made that transition to the head coaching position, um, you know, there have been continuing characteristics and qualities um, that that those coaches have stressed, and I think with each passing year, those qualities, those things, those behaviors, attitudes um, that as coaches we want our teams to strive for and um, and demonstrate, they become more ingrained in the culture of the program and in the culture of the teams. Um, so I don't know if there's necessarily a big difference between other teams. I think this is just like the... Uh, the the better version of some of older teams because of their work, because of what they did um, and the foundation that was set. And, you know, we have great senior leaders. You know, Liz Lear being a player last year on staff, I think that's a great bridge, great connection to previous teams. Um, so I think that, if anything, this team just reflects the hard work um, that previous teams have done, the tradition. Um, of this program um, and really want to be great. Um, so I don't know how they would necessarily differ. I just think it's uh, maybe it's a more um, concentrated team um, as this team kind of reflects a lot of past teams. But needless to say, winning still the ultimate goal. Oh, no doubt. No doubt <laughs> about say, it. You definitely come from a winning background. Of, you actually coached at, you're at Montrose Christian. What is it like to be part of a, almost like the Duke and North Carolinas of high school basketball? Oh, it was such a great blessing to get that opportunity um, to be at Montrose. I played at Montrose. Um, you know, I was very fortunate uh, and blessed to have the opportunity to be a player when Kevin Sutton, who's now an assistant at George Washington for the men, um, he was a head coach uh, my junior year. And then Coach Vetter came in my senior year. Um, so getting a chance to play for those coaches, then, you know, having my own college career and then coming back after finishing my college career and getting a chance to coach at Montrose was invaluable. Um, you know, I I walked behind David Atkins. He's now an assistant at uh, University of Maryland for the women um, in, in mopping the floor every day, dry mopping the floor every day, um, washing uniforms, talking X's and O's. Um, seeing how Coach Atkins did individual um, improvement and, and development stuff with, with players, um, watching some of the other assistants um, coach, seeing how Coach Vetter really crafted and, and developed and built practices from number one through number 75 or whatever it was over the course of the season and how he dealt with the team concept. I think that's something that Coach Vetter is so great at, um, teaching the game from a team uh, perspective, from that team dynamic. What do, what do five players need to do offensively and defensively to be successful? Um, and then he put coaches around him who had strengths. Uh, Dan Preet, who's still with Coach Vetter as an assistant, just had a great knowledge of X's and O's and actions. And Coach Atkins was a great uh, development guy, um, also a good knowledge of X's and O's. And, you know, I got the chance to really learn from guys who are true basketball junkies. Um, so it was invaluable, without a doubt invaluable. And just the level of talent that Macho's had to be able to work with those kids on a regular basis in the mornings and the afternoons, um, getting extra shots, doing extra work, seeing them in practice, watching how they interacted. Um, I mean, it can't be measured, the experience that I had there. I was going to say, who has a more... Who's the more burning desire to win, Stu Vetter or Matt Corkery? Great question, great question. Um, you know, I don't know if I can differentiate their desires to win, but I think there is one um, difference between the two. Both of them love, I should say, both of them hate to lose, okay? Coach Vetter, I don't know if he really loved to win, but he certainly hated 
to lose. There were some games that we won, and you would have never known that we had won. Um, well, I think Coach Corker provides a much better balance where he definitely hates losing, no doubt about it, um, but he enjoys winning, I think, a little bit more um, than Coach Vetter. But I do think uh, the thing that is consistent with great coaches, and I've seen this with Coach Vetter, I've seen this with Coach Corkery, following each game, whether it's a win or a loss, they're focused in on the areas of the game that the team can improve upon. In the same manner, I think they are also very cognizant of the fact that our team is of greatest importance. What we did, how we played as a team, did we reflect our priorities in terms of effort, in terms of defensive intensity, in terms of focus, in terms of offensive um, uh, effectiveness and, um, you know, doing things the right way. That's what their focus is always on. How do we get better as a team? How do we improve um, and uh, achieve winning? Or in the case of Coach Better, not losing. So, yeah. So that would be the difference between the two. I guess also sticking to the whole theme of a family in a way, you had a very unique experience at Montrose that you got to see the development mm -hmm. of American Zone Troy Brewer. Yep. Don't you talk about just not having such a rare opportunity to see someone almost like the entire development of a player and watching him now ironically at the same school you're coaching at? Yeah, it's it's really, really neat. Um I think one thing that it definitely shows is just how small the basketball community is. Um but, you know, to watch Troy as a, you know, skinny 10th grader, probably still kind of skinny, but a great player, strong, strong even though he's a little bit skinny. But uh, to watch him go from JV um, to a varsity reserve to a varsity starter, um, you know, then seeing him get the chance to go play at uh, Georgia for a couple years and then, you know, didn't work out and have him come back to American and, and watch him mature not only as a player but as a young man um, is really, really cool. Um, you know, to, to see those things and then have the chance to come full circle and be back at the institution where he's at, um, you know, shows that all the hard work that, that you do as a coach definitely is worth it. Um, and to be in such close proximity to one of those kids you had a chance to coach um, I guess makes it more real um, that, yeah, I, I had a chance to coach him. And now look at what he's doing on the floor. Um, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is neat to see that full kind of full circle development and, and see that he's doing really good things here. I don't know. They, they got by their first round game and so right. did you last night. A close, closer than you guys probably would have expected. But is it good that your team is, especially those last two games of the regular season, is it good that they sort of played in a tournament-like atmosphere to prepare them for last night and going forward? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, I've, I've said it before and I continue to harp on it. Each game presents opportunities to get better. Um, and I think that a mature team takes those lessons, applies them, and through action the next time they hit the floor. Um, and I think that's the thing that, that really separates the good teams from the, from the average teams, the great teams from the good teams, um, is taking what you learned, applying it. And, you know, in looking back at our season, playing on the road, uh, playing against good teams, I think the biggest lesson that we learned, um, and it showed itself when we played at Lafayette to end our season and then last night, great teams have players that will step up and make plays. I think it was most evident um, when we played George Washington at their place. Following that game, George Washington made, they had players who made plays. And we clipped up um, key possessions, about 10 possessions, where George Washington players made plays, and we didn't. And that was the difference in that game. Um, and I think that was something that really hit our kids, not not only, you know, the, the kids who take the most shots or have the ball in their hands the most, but I think it trickled down to every single one of our kids um, where 
they're going to have opportunities to step up and make plays. You know, Aaron Zimmerman got in last night into the first half, knocked down two open shots, um, hit the shot at the buzzer to go in with a little momentum. She stepped up and made plays, um, which was really cool to see. Uh, and what was even more ironic is that afternoon before our shootout, Aaron Zimmerman got in with uh, me in the gym and we got extra shots up. So she, those two shots that she made in the game, we probably got about 200 of those in that afternoon, and she made you know 75%, 80% of her shots. So she did the work early before the game started, and then when the opportunity presented itself to make shots and make plays, she did that. Um, so I think that, that's the coolest thing, and that's the thing that, that you really take is regardless as to what happens, if you make plays and you're consistent in effort, consistent in focus, then you're going to have chances to, to do what you need to do to, to get Ws. So that GW game, is that sort of the turning point for you guys in your season? You know, I don't know if it was a turning point. I do think we learned a valuable lesson in that game, and I think, you know, we learned other lessons in other games through um, our non-conference season. Um, you know, playing out in California, I think we learned that if you're not ready to play, then that's not a good thing because um, we just kind of played flat out there. Um, you know, against uh, a team like Quinnipiac, I think Quinnipiac came in and they were playing good basketball, and they had a team dynamic um, that was really, really good. And we as coaches noticed that. And that was something that, you know, our team was still growing into and, and feeling out what's, what does our team really look like. Um, and I think that was a lesson that we took from that game. Um, so, again, with each game, I think we took different lessons. Um, but, you know, GW being the last non-conference game leading into our conference, I do think that that lesson of making plays was very important as we moved into our conference season, our second season. All right, and I ended up on this sort of a light-noted thing. Uh, the senior day against Army, a couple of fans mm -hmm. were wearing bow ties in the yeah. interview. Yeah. Is there an origin of where your beer bow tie came from, or <laughs> is it just a style thing? The origin of the bow tie, you know? Um, I think it's probably just more of a style thing. Uh, when I started um, at uh, Montrose, when I first graduated from Messiah, um, I didn't teach. Uh, I did some uh, personal training and some other things and assisted at Montrose as a coach, and I got the opportunity um, to teach at Montrose. Um, and when I became a teacher, I think my my attitude in the classroom was that of, you got to look the part, you know, you got to look intelligent. If you're going to stand before a, a bunch of kids and, and teach them, then daggummit, you better, you better look intelligent. Um, so, you know, I thought the bow tie, the dude just speaks of, um, you know, intelligence, uh, you know, like, dark mahogany wood and the leather couches and just all that. So I think that's kind of where it came from. Um, and, you know, then it kind of stuck. It stuck with me, and I pulled it out every once in a while. And now, you know, obviously some of our Blue Crew guys saw it and uh, they enjoyed it. So it was, it was neat. Uh, you know, they got bow ties, sign, and all that. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it shakes things up. It keeps hopefully keeps me on the – the edge of style here, um, you know, got to look good uh, on the sideline. Um, yeah, so it's just a fun thing to do, a uh, fun thing to wear. So, yeah, I enjoy it. And so we thank the American University Athletic Pro Department and Coach Hutchinson, the women's basketball uh, coaching staff and everything for joining us on the show. Don't forget, women's basketball plays tomorrow night, 7 p.m., semifinals of the Patriot League Conference Tournament. means they're one win away from a three-time appearance to the Women's Basketball Championship game. Yeah. They felt the Lehigh, the Navy. Hopefully they can get it done and earn their first ever NCAA tournament berth on the, the Saturday after. But uh, this past Friday, a very special movie came out as we will give you a uh, sneak peek of what it is. It's currently in theaters for those Dr. Seuss fans. Because Dr. Seuss Day was the second, wasn't it? It was Friday. Was the, so here is the preview of this certain movie. Did you chop down this tree? <gasps> What's that? I think he did it. Mm. 
And so that is The Lorax, which is currently in theaters. You can go see it in a movie theater near you. We are joined for a very special guest for our two-minute warning, the current host of ATV's flagship show, Sports Zone, Eric Wilkins. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Michael Benjamin, <laughs> thank you very much for having me on. How's everyone today? It's been, been a long, long day, but sort of preparing for this week before spring break kicks off. Absolutely. So um, you said you're a big you're a big fan of the Lorax, I hear. I am a big fan of the Lorax <laughs> and Dr. Seuss in general. The Lorax uh, teaches so many good lessons to children and in general, and uh, it's one of those books that you're really able to sit down and uh, and really cherish. Um, however, the movie does have a lot of explicit nudity in it, so you just have to be, oh, really? be careful before you go out and see the film. What's um, it rated? It's rated PG. Okay. Really? Not, yeah. not G. So that makes sense. <laughs> Actually, I know I might be G. I, I don't know. I was making up the whole nudity thing. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, I personally would not be one, one well, to it's, see. It's I would, animated nudity. So I would not want to see Danny DeVito, the Lorax's uh, private. <laughs> really? I, I wouldn't want to do that, yeah. Benjamin. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I understand that you wore. Where'd you get the Lorax shirt? I saw pictures of that. We're definitely going to post that to the Fanatic radio page, but where did you. Come across the mustache and shirt. We actually did a promotional event with the makers of the Lorax, uh, who gave it to us, and that they were they asked us to speak about the Lorax, and we uh, we spoke about the Lorax probably a little too much. Ben was able to contest. <laughs> uh, no, not a, not enough. I I really don't. During think. when Chris Eldad would speak on the show, oh, I would boy. shout over him and say, "Go see the movie, The Lorax, and all these things." <laughs> well, eventually I mean, the movie the movie needed plugs because. Chris Eldab brings nothing to the table. He really doesn't, no. I was going to say, the movie, movie needs their plugs, and <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to do it on this show. Yeah. <laughs> but how did you celebrate Dr. Seuss Day? I uh, celebrated. It was a good day. Um, I read some Dr. Seuss books, went to TDR. They did not have green eggs and ham, and I was actually oh. upset because I left TDR that night, and I thought I grabbed a sugar cookie, and it turns out it was a snickerdoodle, and I don't like snickerdoodles. They they always have snickerdoodles. They always do, but I wanted my sugar cookie. So, I hear. you know, Dr. Seuss Day was very eventful. Um, I did not go and read to children. Uh, I did not, I don't I don't believe in that. So <laughs> instead, I uh, I read by myself. That's that's very depressing, but <laughs> at least you get your. Uh, and, and usually, I'm the depressing one. But. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, a uh, quick, little, quick little thing before we have to end the show. Sports Zone, how is that going? It's going very well. We missed you on the show. I know. Michael. I was at good old... I mean, the past few weeks, I've had club teams had games. I've been in... Actually, the, the, the Michael Gardner has actually been invited to a few crush events. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. I remember you've been telling me <laughs> wow. that. Did he go to a uh, Ladies man. crush or something like that? Or? Yeah, just we'll table that for later. <laughs> okay. For next week. My apologies. First spring break episode. Yeah. <laughs> but how's the show going? <laughs> It's going very well. You know, I took a week's hiatus a few weeks ago just to uh, get some uh, affairs in order. And uh, yeah. Zach Drescher graciously filled in, and he did an incredible job. He did. And, uh, you know, Sports Zone is going strong. We have uh, 19 episodes. We're going on number 20 this Tuesday. Yeah. Ooh. Um, best show on ATV, really, so I, can, I can't speak highly enough about it. Thank you. All right. Uh, <laughs> And so, don't forget, go see The Lorax. It's in theaters. I might actually venture over this week and see it. Yeah, don't see Project X. Oh, my goodness, no. Giant furry peanuts. I'll go right up your nose. You wouldn't hit a woman. That's a woman? Don't want to hit a woman. Lorax wouldn't either. He speaks of the trees. That's his MO. But we have finally reached our our two-minute warning here. Eric Wilkins, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. So, So, Flo, this is when we take a look at... All the quick events. Floyd Mayweather says he does not want the 50-50 split if he fights Pacquiao. Your thoughts on I mean, Money Mayweather? Mayweather? I mean, Pacquiao has just proven to be just as much of a money bringer as Floyd Mayweather. These guys just don't... I really think Mayweather's afraid to fight Pacquiao because I, I think he's going to lose. All right, for football, the Redskins want a huge blockbuster trade. The Rams, in order to get RG3, do will they get it? Uh, I, I'm intrigued by uh, the aggressiveness of uh, Mr. Dan Snyder, but I still ultimately think it'll be Chris L. Dobbs, Cleveland Browns, that trade up. Really? That, that's a shocker. I mean, I hope they get RG3. Yeah. Just so all those Redskins fans, especially in the D.C. area, can stop Especially on this campus. Yeah. Uh, one of our very good colleagues in the radio business, John Thompson, retired from his show. I'd like to give him a shout-out for ESPN 980. 
Also, on Friday was the 50th anniversary of Wilt Chamberlain's 100-point yes. game. Yes. Special words for the late, great Wilt. Well, still. there's only real one number we can remember him by. It's by the 20,000 women he said he slept with. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. No, of course. Yeah. I mean, is it true? Probably not, because that means that by the time he was 15, he would have been betting over one woman a day. But All right. <laughs> well, that's Will Chamberlain for you, the late. For, um, for baseball, both Jason Veritek and Tim Wakefield retire in less than a week. Mm-hmm. And Chipper Jones says he this might be his last season. Is that bad news for the Red Sox if two of their great players are left? Uh, I would say no. I mean, neither of them really had much. I mean, Veritek is just a leader in the clubhouse at this point. He, he's bad at nothing in it. And his glove was eh. And Wakefield doesn't really have that much of it. kind of no more knuckleball in Major League Baseball unless some well, you got you got a Mets legend R.A. Dickey, though. That is true. And our last final two shout-outs. Uh, Ryan Flores, Gunbar Sanja, Kevin Town, Matt Merriacher, Merriacher and Flores, EIWA wrestling champions for American University Wrestling, and those four names I mentioned, with the potential of Danny Mitchell, have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament for wrestling, which is next week. And Flo, our final thought: a 55-year-old woman wants to try out for the Dallas Cowboys cheerleading squad. Can she do it? Uh, I believe every everyone loves you know everyone loves the the fresh young blood, but every every once in a while, folks like to mix it up with the Cougars. So. All right, so I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. That'll do it for our. Fanatic Radio Show. Uh, thank you for Cassie for letting us have her slot since we didn't get it on Friday. We'll be back this Friday for our spring. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.